Kuya, last episode, we revisited how to make room for anger. Whether it's other people's reaction to injustice or our own experience of injustice. Yeah, when we experience or witness injustice ourselves, I think it's important to recognize that anger will eventually emerge and that our first response to these feelings ought not to be one of suppression, like we discussed in our revisiting in our previous episode, but rather our focus needs to be on where the source of injustice lies. Yeah, I do remember us discussing this in episode 309, where you pointed out that sometimes the source of the injustice is more than just a person. It can be a system or even a structure, right? Right, that's exactly it. I think to understand the true source of our own or other people's anger also requires us to continue to contemplate on the source of that injustice. In other words, we got to stay angry. Exactly like that t-shirt, stay angry. I always think of that. It's ironic to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. In our podcast, we talked about how as, as Filipinos, we are more persuaded to move quickly to feeling happy or on to good about life, like the next emotion, like, okay, let's get back up and move on, head high. Yeah, we don't like to, as the people, stay in that angry place for too long. And yes, we are supposed to be a happy people, but I would say that we can hold on to both being happy and angry at the same time, and that one does not necessarily have to exclude the others. Mm -hmm. Not staying with anger enough does us a disservice in recognizing where the source of injustice lies or where the problem begins for that matter. So hello, hello, listeners. Let's continue to linger on anger and get to the truth by revisiting episode 309, Righteous Anger and Indignation. Hey, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. Sigs, when I say righteous anger, what immediately comes to mind? I think people have these, like, justified feelings like it it's something of like biblical or like epic proportions it it almost like ties into like it seems like religious in some ways such strength yeah i would agree with you that that's typically what kind of comes up in my mind too and when i think about righteous anger it's usually associated with religion and biblical stories of religious figures expressing their anger. So, you know, the two that kind of come to mind are kind of like Jesus in the temple to discover, you know, people gambling and then him getting really angry in the quote unquote house of the Lord as he, (laughs) you know, overturns tables or when Moses comes down from the mountains to discover people worshiping pagans and stuff like that. That's typically what the visions that we have of righteous anger. I can see that link. Yeah, and I think there is really more of an updated or more modern day version or thinking about righteous anger, and that's actually called indignation. Uh When you think about indignation, it's a very specific 
type of anger. And in fact, last year we talked about anger speaking to the injustice that we feel. Well, in this case, when you feel angry over people being mistreated, that's actually called indignation. And I think what's really interesting about indignation is this is that it really challenges us to speak up. In other words, we can't just be silent and that this experience of indignation also should motivate us to take action of sorts. And I just remember that you and Richie from our previous episode in January, while we were talking about 90 black heist films, talking about indignation that you guys both felt or the righteous anger that you both felt when watching in the movie Set It Off where those four women were being mistreated in their lives in a lot of ways. And so I think also indignation also challenges us to not be a bystander anymore. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but that's typically what indignation is. It's anger over the mistreatment of others. It it triggers me or just has these reminders. And I think you use really good keywords when you say we can't be silent witnesses or being a bystander. I recall being in some previous jobs where I just sat there and emotionless, not saying anything and just in disbelief saying this is happening right now. And I think when our previous conversation with Rechi, seeing set it off and the injustices that the characters face has not changed in 2021. Right. And after it's a culmination And I'm not trying to sound juvenile. No wonder they are mad. No wonder people are mad. People of color, people who are black are mad. When you think about Black Lives Matter and BIPOC communities, and we see what happened in 2020, in the spring of 2020, if it's been happening not just even for 25 years, not even just 50 years, like hundreds of years, when you think about the oppression that has occurred, when you actually see the injustice even if you're not being oppressed yourself, hopefully you're not, we're not in denial of the injustice that's occurring and that this sense of, again, righteous anger or indignation is rising. And I think people are typically afraid about it, experiencing it, or don't know what to do with it or are confused by it. And I think typically what ends up happening is, is that we're either in denial or we may minimize, Mm -hmm. or we may even blame those BIPOC communities, thinking that they're the ones that are causing the injustice onto themselves. But I think what Black Lives Matter has made us realize is is that that's not actually the case. The system Mm -hmm. is oppressive. The system favors white folk. The system is steeped in white supremacy. And we just can't be kind of silent bystanders looking the other way saying, oh, it's not me. At some point, it may be become us if we don't say be. anything, right? So, that is a good point. You know, another interesting point to make, too, is, is that these systems are, again, oppressive and that they really count on us to be silent. It is interesting. When I've first seen mistreatment for the first time, yes, we're shocked. We don't know what mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. And... We don't know what to do. I don't know if you've had any experiences like that, feeling overwhelmed by watching the mistreatment, just being astonished or surprised by it. Yes. I had a previous job where I witnessed it firsthand in a position where it was public facing. And I was just, I'm like, what is happening? And it happens. And I almost felt helpless for a second. I'm like, What's stopping just seeing it witness and being like, I was so angry. And after coming home from work that day, I'm like, that just happened. And 
I didn't say anything or I didn't speak up and I I felt so guilty. I'm like, what that person did was inappropriate. And I felt like I let it happen because I was silent. You know what I mean? And and it's not just happened to me like once once or whatever. It's happened several times where I'm like, what what is going on here? And the moment if I I had made a sideline comment where I was sort of like angry, I, I would be like gaslit. Like, oh, what are you talking about? Or, oh, well, oh, is this the race card? Is this a race issue again? And I'm like, again, I, but this is inappropriate. And uh, yeah, I know. Pre- I I was going to say pre 2020, what would happen is, is, is that if we did raise our voices right. against the injustice, typically we either got lumped into it, we would be targeted by it. We would be made fun of, you know, there would be lots of reprisal. And I think that that's what ends up happening is, is, is that if we're not silent, because oppression wants us to be silent, if we're mm. not silent, we face reprisal. And I think now that it's in the greater consciousness of society, in other words, post-2020, it's easier to speak up simply because there is less uh, reprisal. Depending where you are in this world, there might be less reprisal that one might experience. To add on to that point, you are right now in this atmosphere, 2020-2021, I I speak very broadly or whatever because I... at where I work right now, they are telling people to speak up. What is it we can do? And if we see this type of oppression, we're supposed to speak up about it and report it. Mm. It's a venue where they're encouraging people to talk. They're encouraging people to see, not be a silent witness. And in fact, or whatever, you have like these governmental surveys asking employees saying, hey, do you witness this at work? Is this happening? The people they want to know, they don't, it's never been brushed over as it was. And the previous job I'm talking about is when it was in 2000, 20 years later, they are trying to make people in an environment where they are comfortable and are able to speak out to not be a bystander anymore. Yeah, I think for oppression to slowly be dismantled, we have to move to a culture of reporting, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways, which is why, if you will, the Me Too movement has also arisen at the same time, why sometimes you know, having cell phones with cameras has been a great thing, right? If it wasn't for these things, we would not have seen the atrocities, unfortunately, of things like George Floyd in terms of his unfortunate murder by police and the police brutality that he had experienced. I also think, too, that oppression is also wanting us to experience contempt as well. And contempt is sometimes the outgrowth of indignation or righteous anger because you can recognize a particular value that's being violated or characteristic of others creating the injustice. An example that I give is is, is that if you're feeling indignation, you may be feeling indignation because you know you notice others are being excluded. And they're being excluded because of a person's particular characteristics. So the person excluding Mm -hmm. is quite callous, for example. Right. So again, indignation usually means that there's contempt for some type of principle being violated Uh and contempt for the character of the other person creating the injustice. So that's also something to think about, that when we are feeling indignation, it's like, what is the human right that's being violated? Mm -hmm. And what is the human characteristic that's at play? The human right that's being violated is about 
excluding people on race, then it's racism. And it's that person being, if you will, bigoted or racist that is creating that sense of indignation. So I think that that's a good question to kind of ask because sometimes people just have these feelings of righteous anger but don't know what to do with it. And I would say, ask yourself what's being violated and what characteristic of the other person is going on that's creating the injustice? And again, I've said a lot. I don't know if you if you have any questions about no, that. No, and I, I was just going to say, so what do we do with these feelings? Like, that's exactly the next segue. I'm like, okay, that's, that's a yeah. good tip. So what other things can I do or what should we advise listeners? Like, how do we, what do we do, what do, we do with this anchor? Yeah, I think that there's some preconditions, believe it or not, before we speak up. I think what we need to do is speak up. Mm -hmm. But before we speak up, there are almost two things that we need to do. One is we have to educate ourselves on what we think the mistreatment is, you know, because you can't speak up unless you know what the mistreatment is. Like, are we witnessing racism? Are we witnessing ableism? Are we witnessing transphobia or (laughs) homophobia? And understanding what you're looking at if you can educate yourself on it, and you'll notice the operative word in what I'm saying there is yourself. Like we can't rely necessarily on others. We've got to take it upon ourselves, to educate ourselves on what, you know, how people are mistreated in this world. Once that happens, and I think that if you have a good enough, if you will, education on it, and there, no education is perfect, so that's why I say good enough. Mm-hmm. Then if you see someone being mistreated, it'd be helpful to ask if they need your help. Okay. Because some people don't want to be rescued. Some people don't want to be rescued, and I don't need you to rescue me. I can handle this. Thanks for being a witness, though. And if they just need you to be a witness, then they just need you to be a witness. But if they need your help, it's best to ask, and then that's when you can speak up and advocate if necessary, if, if asked. So... I would say, what do we do with our righteous anger or indignation? We got to educate ourselves in terms of the different types of mistreatment that could occur in this world. Okay. Ask people if they need our help. And if they do, we can then speak up and advocate for them. So those are really good tips. Specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, what, how does our community, the Filipino community deal with righteous anger? That's a really great question, Sigs, because, you know, I've thought about that. And I think Mm -hmm. the experience of righteous anger by the Filipino community tends to take on this holier-than-thou posturing. Oh. And I don't know if you, you have an idea of what I might be alluding to, but usually it results in our culture adopting a shaming approach to others. You know, so sometimes I've heard people say, Walanyaka, right? Or walangyaka, right? Like, don't you have any shame? In fact, it engages in a lot of blaming the other person for their misfortunes in a lot of ways. And it shames and doesn't serve to motivate anyone in terms of encouraging them. In fact, what it does is it, it tends to blame others and engage in the blame game. Quite frankly, I think our culture can respond to righteous anger by engaging in bayanian and helping uh. the disenfranchised. Yeah. You know, because I think mistreated individuals shouldn't be blamed. 
Instead, we should be asking them, asking what they need and how we can help. I've sometimes said this in past episodes that, you know, what I'm very proud of in terms of being Filipino is we're disaster proof and we usually like to help people. But when Filipinos feel righteous anger, the first place we go to is shaming the other. And I would say, let's reserve on that. And instead of judging, we should actually be helping instead and get into again by an I think you mentioned that the the spirit of Bayinihan in a previous episode and capturing that spirit. That's a really interesting like observation about shame. You're right, channeling it and engaging in Bayinihan spirit yes. sounds like a, a better a better stronger foot to put forward in, in yeah. this type of case. A better way to respond to righteous anger than just mm. kind of judging and then blaming the person who's been mistreated, saying, oh, you brought it upon yourself. I don't think people wake up every morning trying to figure out how they're going to get themselves mistreated, right? Like I don't think people are <laughs> gluttons for punishment in a lot yeah. of ways. If anything, what they're looking for is help instead. So I think that that kind of, you know, closely starts to close off this first episode of our four-part collection on social justice for this year here in February 2021. So this starts to lead us to our fixing of the week, which is really that righteous anger is really a call to take action and to speak up. It's our brain's way of trying to motivate us to put words to the mistreatment that we're seeing or witnessing. And that really, I would like our listeners to know that to be silent or shaming as a way of responding to righteous anger and indignation really just colludes with systemic oppression or white supremacy if we're talking about racism. And instead of being silent and shaming, it might actually be better to invoke the Philippinex spirit of Bayanian, you know, again, being in communal spirit and tasking this spirit on how to be more inclusive. So in other words, I would say promote inclusion. You know, that is a good way of speaking up. So such as being an advocate or inviting others to think about their behavior or their mistreatment of others or any other consciousness raising efforts like referring them to our podcast. So that's an excellent, excellent fixing of the week. Yeah. Listeners, hello, hello, listeners. We'd love to hear your thoughts on righteous anger and the ways that you do to educate yourself when you think there's mistreatment and your own thoughts about this episode. We'd love to hear more from you because February 2021, we have a bunch of social justice issues to discuss. You can email us at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at hollowhollowpop and we're on Instagram at hollowhollowpopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chal Turingen. We'll see all of you guys again soon. See you soon.